it's Friday. Uh, indeed, it is Friday. It's actually technically Friday as well. Eric and I have met late, late, late this evening, and uh, it's super late. I think we finally got this thing down, Zach. Recording Monday's episode on Monday, recording Friday's episode on Friday. Yeah, it's like we're we're trying to sync up the time as much as we can with all the things that you guys write in, because as the next season approaches, we are a slow and steady and sad 72 days away, but I feel like that's also happy, you know? It's 72 days closer than what we were, you know, 73 as in yesterday, only a few minutes ago. Well, the question is, uh, once we go out of the on season, what does that become? <laughs> that's a scary thought, actually. I try not to think that far ahead. The other on season. And, and for um, listeners who may be a little confused and saying, what are they talking about? Monday's episode on Monday, Friday's episode on Friday. Don't they always record the same day? Uh, yes, yes, we do. We do, uh, of course. Always record. And there's no pre-recording. Uh, there's no getting together in one one time a week and laying down shows. Nothing like that. Man, there has actually that hasn't happened in probably. I a know. Year. <laughs> <laughs> it was then, a dream. It was yeah. a good dream. I dreamed a dream of spring, and it never came. But it oh, might come man. one day at the very end of the series. Mike is not here. He's traveling to the Crescent City. Yes, the Crescent City. Which is the Crescent City? Should I Google this? No, I'm going to continue to Taco Bell, and we'll figure this out later. Uh, it is New Orleans. <laughs> Nolens. Also known as the Big Easy, or the city that care forgot. Oh, that's terrible. The two of us are alone tonight. It's a very cold evening. I have a window open behind me, and I shouldn't. But there's something about a fresh breeze that I like, no matter the temp. I'm uh, looking at our latest episode on Wicknet, some... Very kind words for some very kind people. And you know what? It just feels good to be here. You know, just to be yeah. hanging out and just to, to tell everyone hello because we're at the very end of A Clash of Kings. There's only a few chapters left. And we're finally cracking into some of the rich material that you all have talked about for like the last couple of years. And it's just getting to the wire, if that makes any sense. It's just everything is so nail bitey and you go into this chapter and it's just so much imagery and you don't really think to care about all of the imagery, but what Tyrion's going through is some heavy, heavy, heavy shit. Yeah, and it's fun because um, even if you don't care about the imagery, you get to a chapter like this and that's pretty much all it is. <laughs> right, is you're forced he, to. He's not physically going anywhere. Uh, he's in bed. He's recovering from his wound. Um plural uh so it's it's really kind of a chapter that's that the whole format is dream time and he's uh coming in and out of consciousness and deeper deeper layers of sanity consciousness all all that stuff and so really this is george r, r. martin's writing at its best and and i i say that but really he's he's just the best at almost everything um you know, chapters where heads of state are coming to town, small council meetings, dream sequences. Green dreams. Crowd, uh, what's the word, mobbing, all, all of it. We've seen it all in this book. And this chapter just, again, drives home. And it's Tyrion's, I believe, 15th chapter uh, out of 80. So he's got, you know, roughly like 18% of the book is devoted to him. And I really think that his chapters are just consistently, I don't want to say the best written because all the chapters are written so well, but it's another strong Tyrion chapter. I'll just say that because it is Tyrion's last chapter. We've been having a, a, a series of last chapters in the last couple of, uh, you know, episodes of, of certain characters that we know they don't have any more chapters, this book. So we really find out where George has chosen to leave them uh, at the end of Clash of Kings. 
Oh, let's jump right into it, shall we? This is the first paragraph of what I believe is Tyrion's last chapter. Okay, here we go, people. He dreamed a dream of cracked stone ceiling. Sorry, I just said he dreamed a dream. He dreamed a dream. Is that in the book? I dreamed a dream. Sorry, I was... Of love gone by. Yeah, I totally spaced out. He dreamed of cracked stone ceiling and the smells of blood and shit. And burnt flesh. You'll start to hear an accent come out for no reason. The air was full of acrid smoke. Men were groaning and whimpering all around him. And from time to time, a scream would pierce the air, thick with pain. When he tried to move, he found that he had fouled his own bedding. The smoke in the air made his eyes water. Am I crying? He must not let his father see. He was a Lannister of Casterly Rock. A lion. I must be a lion. Live a lion die a lion he hurt so much though too weak to groan he lay in his own filth and shut his eyes nearby someone was cursing the gods in a heavy monotonous voice he listened to the blasphemies and wondered if he was dying after a time the room faded so he's laying in his own filth this is like um that scene in the house of the undying the dead banquet only it's from the perspective of somebody who's at that banquet like uh (laughs) You know, if if we could forget for a minute that that banquet is shockingly literal uh, in the next book, um, you know, and just think of all these tortured souls, dying men who are, you know, surrounding him and bo- uh, bodies are being piled and lit on fire. And clearly, like, he's not physically in a field, but he imagines himself there and, and bodies are being carried and, and they're infested and, and lost limbs are, are being towed and it's really just the, the richest imagery for, but I still, when I'm imagining it, I imagine it being blurry. Like it would oh, be yeah. if it were done in the show, I imagine it, you know, and, and cries and people crying out and you, you just, you can't find the source of voices and it's intense. It's absolutely really, really intense. And it's uh, all a struggle of identity for Tyrion. He's remembering who he is. And I think, you know, really just in terms of like when I was sick as a kid, and I, I wasn't, you know, sick too often, I, I don't want to say, but when I was, you, you have those sleepless nights or really heavy sleeps and fevers, and he's recovering from a major injury, and so uh, it's not uncommon to shit the bed. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, or something like that when, when, you're, when you're that messed up. Oh, no, you're, you're right. He's drugged with milk of the poppy, um, you know, throughout this chapter, and, and who knows what that does to you um, stomach-wise, but he re- he really is kind of on the verge of death but it's not this this chapter for for all that it is i don't get the sense that it's overly spiritual that there's some voice from beyond the grave you know voices from beyond the grave don't talk to Tyrion the way that they talk to the starks this just appears to be like a near-death dream honestly near-death experience you know what i'm saying it it seems to be more in his more in his head than it does the spiritual realm it's still powerful it's still important it's more about his life and his regrets though and his experience with war for instance he says that all these people i sent them to their deaths so it's like his conscious uh or sorry his conscience um is really weighing in here as he is healing he is slowly being spared uh, from the fate that he sent everybody else to. Yeah, and it's 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 a scary thought. Reading this chapter kind of hit home with me a little bit because, uh, as you know, I spent a whole lot of time in the hospital when I was younger, and right. uh, you know, I got into this this pretty terrible, life altering, serious injury ridden accident uh, when I had just turned eighteen, and it's it's really strange 
how George wrote a lot of this because I felt like he himself had to either be close by when something like this happened or his imagination was just so strong because so much of this is so almost literally translatable to something that people who went through what I've gone through before would actually experience. And I spent some time in the intensive care unit, you know, before I was able to go into other places. And, you know, we're talking about months and months and months. And I'm just remembering sort of the first parts of things when you when you're just realizing that you're still alive and waking up. Mm -hmm. And that's what this chapter was basically full of his own self questioning and gathering himself enough to understand that his mind still exists. And if he tries hard enough to ignore all of these things that are happening, like feeling all of his wounds and, and feeling this insurmountable pain that he just can't understand that somewhere inside of you, your mind is there. And that was really connectable when he was saying, you know, all I have is my wit. And I feel like my, my wit is finally coming back to me. And uh, with, with his wit, there, there comes his real power. So being so handicapped where he is now, it really takes away the ability to say no to, you know, the maester that he has no idea who it is. And he's bringing in this milk of the poppy. And, and I, when I hear milk of the poppy, I associate that with some kind of morphine, some kind of dilative, some kind of heavy drugging. Um, poppy is an ingredient in a lot of uh, drugs here in our world. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you just kind of assume that, that, that they're kind of similar. But oh, and furthermore, we have examples of it being used on people to shut them up. Uh, you know, John Aaron, I think, was given milk of the poppy. Um, it wasn't, you know, I, I kind of relate it with poison. It's not poison. The tears of lists were the poison, but right. milk of the poppy suppresses all your natural like survival instincts. You just get really messed up. I mean, it, it blocks out a lot of, a lot of different feelings, not just the ability to feel pain. So, you know, I, I, I remember when they, when they changed me from morphine over to a much stronger thing and going into basically the same sort of idea that he's, where he's seeing all these crazy shit. You see shit, you know, like yeah. you see shit, you feel shit, you, 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 you go through some from pretty cra crazy stuff, and that's why I thought this was just so. This was such a strange chapter for me because, yeah, I mean, it's it's not you know a direct representation of of what it actually is, but it's pretty damn close in a way that he's awake, and then someone's bringing him the milk of the poppy, and then immediately he's back to where he was, and he doesn't really understand the time that's passing. And this isn't an incredibly long chapter, but the time is is really flowing because he's going through different levels of his bandaging uh he's he's going through what feels to be room changes but there aren't actually room changes he's in the same place the entire time until it is a room change right <laughs> until it is a room change <laughs> at one point somebody picks him up and takes him somewhere else yeah he's in a different spot and you can see his his chest and he recognizes things that are around him and like i said he slowly comes back to terms and starts to remember the things that happen uh for example sir mandan and the flash of steel right below his eyes oh gosh and um you know, really the coolest thing I think that he takes from one world into the other because it blends um, is his feeling like uh, his feeling like he didn't have a mouth. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm thinking of Matrix, you know, <laughs> uh, Mr. Anderson, you know, or or um, Silent Hill, the poster for Silent Hill. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. But mm -hmm. really, really, he's got a cast over his face. It's plaster. He's got. His whole head is, is is covered in plaster with tiny little holes to so it, it's like a reality. Like he he dreams of having no mouth and really his his mouth is is covered the way that it says it is in the in the dream. And it's just one of those extra little like the the reveal is so slow. Uh you know, he's going on for pages trying to speak and, and running around the battlefield and that sort of thing. And 
then we find out, oh, you know, he's got to take this mask off. So yeah, it's it's so dramatic and, and and violently well done the way he sort of cascades into the different stages of finding out exactly what's wrong with him. You know, it was, there was something very uh, Aaron Eckert, Dark Knight kind of about his taking the mask off and seeing yeah, his face. That was funny um, because. <laughs> He threatens uh, the Meister, this uh, Bremel guy or, or whatever his name is, uh, to basically show him his own face. But he comes prepared. He he, he has him bring wine as well. <laughs> more, please. Some yeah, amber more, wine. More. I'll yeah. take some oh, more okay, of that. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm pleasantly yeah. uh, ripe. I, <laughs> I, I, like, I think I'm ready, I'm ready to, to face myself now. Uh, and what does he say when he looks at you? He says, oh, pretty, right? Yeah, <laughs> and he throws like, the mirror. He's like, well. This is pretty. But really the damage that's been done to Tyrion, and I, I think uh, I had been clued in a, a, pretty much from when it happened on the show that really, um, even though we didn't see it to the beginning of season three, that it is much worse in the book, or it is a little bit worse in the book than it even is in the show. Um, for instance, the fact that like three quarters of his nose is said to be missing yeah. to Tyrion in the book. So I, they mentioned in the book that it's healing well, at least, that you know even... Uh, his, he almost lost his arm, but it's healing well, and and he, they should have kept the mask on until it all knitted together or whatever. But it's it, so it seems like it's still going to be okay. He said, there, you know, there were no complications once you got slashed in the face. That's just all it was. <laughs> but it, still, it, it, you get the idea that he's in even worse shape than we know him to be from watching the show. Yeah, that's something I want to talk about because I know that you weren't on the same page as everyone else and I wasn't on the same page and you know, the other people were that are on our show. We, we will not talk about them tonight because <laughs> they're not here. But uh, I finally get it now and I understand what all of you have been writing about as well in emails and comments and tweets that Tyrion was misrepresented in the show. And I, I completely agree. This is a much more dramatic situation. He took an arrow to the shoulder, not the knee. Uh, he survived. It almost rotted too badly for them to keep the arm. They they bled it out, and they cleaned it with wine and maggots to eat out a bunch of the, the Unbelievable rotting. Unbelievable remedies. I bet those are real remedies, too. I, I mean, if you think about it, theoretically, it would work. Like, they'll eat all the bad shit, and then you just take them out. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But he's he's really, in the words of what's in the chapter, sir, you are grievous wounded. You know, like, he really is grievous wounded. Or grievously, if you care to use the adverb instead, he really is wounded that terribly. And his body is in a very weakened state. And just having all of this dumped on him, I felt like it wasn't that dramatic in the show. And I knew that it was supposed to be bad, so I, I took it as bad. You know, I think I aptly reacted to it the way that we were supposed to because mm -hmm. I knew everybody else was. So I just, I suppose I did. But like you said, three quarters of his nose is missing. Um, a chunk of his lip is missing. His arm is in really bad shape. Who knows if it's going to work well at all? And it didn't even work that great before just because of his condition. So it's just like I think the the message George is driving home here is we saw the, the, the courtroom. We saw the throne room. We saw how majestical it was and everyone was getting knighted. And it was a big just, yeah, 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 party. We survived. Here's your – you get a land. You get a castle, that kind of situation. And most of it was because of Tyrion, you know? Like he had to hear from this maester that Tywin was victorious and Renly's ghost was there and Lord <laughs> Tyrell there and Lord Baelish now, you know? And it's just like you feel so bad because as a reader, we've had to see all of these things happen and we know what Tyrion went through. And now this is what he's dealt with. He's not in his tower. He's no longer the hand. And his own family wants to kill him. So he wants to get this mask off, not because he just wants to see himself, but just so no one can force feed him Poppy anymore and so he can be conscious and, and see what's happening. 
Tyrion's, you know, moving around is is very important to him. And this Meister, he, he basically, it's it's good how he's able to, you know, as he's coming to gain control over this guy. Because for all he knows, this guy could be, I mean, killing him. That's that's the milk of the poppy, right? It's just subduing him. Right. Well, like what he was saying when he was getting his face chopped off, or he, when he was getting the mask, how close the knife was to his neck. And it's just like, you could just miss, you know? Yeah. So that that was good. It's good that this guy wasn't as... I mean, but if you think about where they found him, that that's really the thing is, did Cersei change her mind? Because, you know, in addition, in addition to like getting Sir Man and more to do this or ordering him as, as Tyrion deduces and his amazing powers of wit back when he's still behind the mask, so you know he has nothing else to do, um, you know, deduces that it would have been Cersei who ordered him uh, to kill Tyrion. The fact that they apparently, according to this Meister, found his body in a pit uh, for, you know, reserved for the dying and then took him and treated him. I mean, they gave him the utmost. He's the lion. So once the plan didn't succeed, um, they apparently made good on his blood and uh, decided to save him after all. But now he has the knowledge that, you know, his own sister has taken this most drastic measure against him. I think we might find out more about that in the future, what Cersei was thinking or if it actually was her at all. You know, I think we're kind of meant at this point in the book uh, to just kind of take his word for it. But maybe the fact that they won plays into her decision making or whoever's decision it was to keep him going. Or, or, you know, I'm sure that three quarters of it was that the people who found him, you know, probably brought him up to the castle. And were like, this is Lord Hand or this is, you know, mm-hmm. this is still Tyrion Lannister. And at that point, your dad's there and everyone's kind of celebrating. What do you just kill him? Yeah, <laughs> none of that. None of that brother sister bickering shit will happen in front of Tywin. Right. Um, not at least, you know, none of that backhanded murder. Sorry. <laughs> and he didn't really even know that they'd even won the battle. The only reason he understood was that in and out of his dreams, he realized that, yes, I am alive. This isn't right. the afterlife. I'm My head's not, dead. not on a spike. Right. Which, <laughs> you ever see the movie Eight Heads on a duffel, in a duffel bag? No. <laughs> there's, there's a uh, dream sequence. Um, I don't know if I want to spoil it or not, but they, these, uh, headless heads, uh, sing a song. It's pretty fun. Um, but, uh, the night bus. Yeah. That's the last thing that you want to wake up on with your, with your head on a spike. Um, but, uh, regarding Tyrion, you know, we don't know how much time has passed necessarily. It, it really time in this whole, this whole chapter is not referenced. It's fluid. It's, he's going from one place to another and one time to another. And, you know, he, he is able to come to and kind of make sense of it, but we're still left with this feeling of, oh my God, like, okay, he's alive. It's, it's like really in terms of what I was saying before about, you know, leaving these characters, sending them off in a, in a certain way by the end of the, the book. Um, you know, Tyrion's chapter ends pretty hopefully. You know, Bronn has been knighted. <laughs> Who Sir saw Bronn. that coming? And he's able, Tyrion is able to reconnect with Pod. And he begins to arrange for his own people to begin taking care of him. Uh, but of course, th- there were several things he saw in his dreams throughout the chapter that we should also mention, for instance, with Taisha, which I thought was really interesting insight because it seems like when when earlier when when uh, Tyrion was telling Shay that you know oh yeah this woman uh, my brother paid her to be really really good and I fell in love with her it, it really doesn't seem like Tyrion was I mean he calls himself gullible but the things that she was saying to him <laughs> seemed so genuine and so they must have paid her a lot. 
But it, it really just broke my heart reading the things that Taisha was saying to Tyrion uh, for we know what happened to her. We know how that went south and hearing the actual words that she was saying and, and li- kind of living Tyrion's memory of them two together really is, is, is a fascinating thing to get in this last chapter of this book. And it, it endears us to him even further, but man, what a, what a bad egg. I was just kind of confused because I didn't, I guess, understand the full scope of the relationship and how long they had actually been with each other. But neither did I. He's he's kind of reliving, you know. He's saying that we we would wake up together and and basically hang out in bed all day in a more softer term, which yeah. is which which is, I mean, in a younger Tyrion Lannister's world, that's that's a great day. You know, he's hanging out and having a good time. He's not worried about the kingdom being at war. Someone else is the king. You know. And they had jokes about servants getting kisses and stuff. It's like they had they had a life together. Damn really just wasn't this one night thing where he wet her in the next day, you know, it's like the coins, they knew each other. Well, it's, it's just such a friggin' shame. And, you know, I was thinking about Jamie because he references his brother. He has this dream where he's being knighted by his brother. It's just like, man, in that moment, Jamie too, it's like this family owns you, man. It's like, they, they just totally, again, with Taisha it's just, it's a terrible situation, but that's the kind of wrath that Tywin and Jamie have. Um, and Tyrion is, is really not part of that. Tyrion is his own separate guy and he's a much better person. Yeah. His, his visions as well. And though in this chapter were just, you know, he, he started out with the first one where he was in the battlefield and the, there were dead stags, there were dead flowers, there were dead lions, they were all gray and it was just desolate. You know, the silent sisters are out there stripping the, the bodies of their armor and all of their cloth and putting it in one wagon. And they're picking up these dead, lifeless bodies. And I'm just thinking about all the, the conscience beings that went into that fighting for other people and are now being thrown onto giant pyres that just are billowing smoke into the air. It's just a really uh, – such a real portrayal of this part of these kinds of stories. And you don't you don't really get that from Lord of the Rings. You know, you don't really – understand what's happening with all of the uh extra orcs or the extra men that were killed just outside in pelinar fields you know mm-hmm. the scale of all of all the the riders from rohan that you know rode in at the last second and you know some of them were cut down some of them were hit by big spears and yeah. they they died for a cause but they still died and, and that's part of what he's sort of living through he's saying you know why did i kill them all he's thinking to himself mm-hmm. and he's still alive he's he's surviving and that's great and you know he he has that vision like you were saying where uh, he was being celebrated. His father was there, and he was proud of him. Finally, and his brother, who he looks up to so much, you can you can just gather from the story. Yeah, yeah, is is knighting him, and you know maybe for a second, maybe Cersei even doesn't hate his existence. And it just <laughs> it just makes you feel so sorry for this guy who you know was born into uh, a good situation compared to a lot of the population being a Lannister, mm-hmm. but you know. It's it's easy to not feel sympathy for for someone in such a great situation, comparatively speaking. But his world is still dominated by the fact that his mother died, uh, birthing him. His father has hated and disapproved of him since he was a kid. And then they also planned this stuff with Taisha, and, and just after getting more of a perspective of of what he had and, and how he feels about it and how it's being taken away, which I thought was a really great insight. Um, it makes you really question his relationship with Shay and and kind of what has always been sort of hidden, but I sort of shrugged off. Maybe I considered their relationship not so bad or not so copycat at all, but maybe she really is sort of a replacement for what he had with this other girl. I wonder. It's a good question, you know? Yeah, I mean, she is 
her own. I think that he has taken steps to ensure that she's more genuine than Taisha. But you, you really do. There are big similarities the way that they talk. Oh yeah, that dialogue. I, I, I just have to think that they took some of of her diction, and you, you have to get, you have to read it to. to to get the exact idea, but don't you feel like they took some of her addiction and put it into Shay's writing when they wrote her character? Uh, perhaps it just kind of seemed that way. Yeah, I, don't know. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but on that exact subject, sir, uh, of Taisha and Shay is uh, comes my own okay, for good. this chapter. Um, there's a moment where people on the battlefield in Tyrion's dream are calling for their mothers. Um, Tyrion, having never known his mother, wishes Shay was there. Uh, so my own goes to Sigmund Freud uh, <laughs> in this Freud. chapter. And that's just, I just, you know, that's just who I want to give it to. And uh, that's who gets it. The semi-conscious mind often manifests repressed desires. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, okay. He just needs a hug. Come on. I mean, I know it's not dirty. He just needs a hug. He does need a hug. That's just, I feel so sad after reading this chapter, but it was a good one, you know? It really was. Yeah. Uh, my own's going to have to go to Podrick Payne, who says, uh, Tyrion goes, Sir Mandon. He's wanting to know about him, you know? And he's like, I, I, I never met. T- k- 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 he's dead? You're, you're certain he's dead? Yes, he's drowned. Speak no more of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tyrion's like, all right, don't talk about it at all. It's fine. <laughs> we'll just believe this between us. Thank God we're both still alive. Pod's totally cool. And, and, and I mean, considering the uh, effort that the show writers made to bring pod up you know in season three really this book the second book does it for him you know does it for him uh yeah. it really makes pod this badass squire <laughs> and you know unassuming kind of shy kid i guess right and um you know feels nervous for sneaking a peek at Tyrion's face uh Tyrion doesn't blame him but you know it, it just uh he really really did show up at the right time and was able to knock the worst of all of those men into the river where that man drowned. <laughs> you know, speaking of showing up at the right time, Eric, there is a selection of owns that has been tweeted and submitted by you, the general listening public. And uh, even though this is a slightly depressing chapter, I'm going to be not depressed by us talking about those things. I just thought about a tongue depressor. So take that into your reading, sir. Yes, everything that we read on today's show came to us at the right time mm-hmm. uh, for this inclusion on our show. So uh, we'll go over to the Twitter box, which I imagine is like a birdhouse. Um, <laughs> What's the, the first own uh, from Nick Higby, who says Tyrion's memory of Tysha owns this chapter. Nothing seems to control the great imp quite so much. It was his most vivid memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think I'll be thinking about that for a long time to come. Uh, next own comes from Kevin Bloomfield, who says my own done correctly goes to pod (laughs) goes to pod for loyalty a wise man said judge a man by how he treats his inferiors which Tyrion is now well i'll agree i mean not class wise because Tyrion is still leaps and bounds above his squire but in terms of i can kill you if i try um you know pod is is way above uh Tyrion in his weakened state so i understand exactly what you're saying there, Kevin. And congrats on your, uh, Kevin, your your tweet changed. And the last one that you had on our Wednesday episode was a little debatable, I think, in Eric's eyes. But this one, I think you got the formula down correct. You you perfectly executed the own tweet. 
So good luck to you in the future, sir. And uh, also from Molly M, we get an own that says, The own for Tyrion's chapter goes to Pod for killing Sir Man and more by pushing him into the black water. <laughs> Anchor and, sign. <laughs> yeah, there's two. Oh, is that is that what that is? Yeah. I, I see two um, unknown characters, so it could be anything. Oh, it could be a, a small fish. Uh, over on the email inbox side of things, we got an own from Jack McGraw. An action movie star. <laughs> <laughs> Jack agrees with Molly, says, Pod's got my own here. The fact that he slays Sir Manda to save Tyrion's life and then still has the sheepish, stuttering yeah. conversation with Tyrion where he could care less about the glory of it speaks volumes, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I agree with all of you today, damn it. <laughs> damn it! <laughs> well, it's it's easy when the chapter is so filled with owns, and I'm, I'm so thrilled that nobody gave the own to Tyrion in this chapter. How dare you all. They know the rules. They, they know the rules. Well, and that concludes the owns that we uh, sourced so far for this chapter, but we did get a, a number of other comments. Uh, for instance, um, <laughs> we got a comment uh, on Twitter from Amy Christina, who says, I just finished A Storm of Swords. ASOS. ASOS. Therefore becoming officially sullied. Oh, wow. Moving to join Micah and Selena. It, <laughs> and this is the kicker. <laughs> oh, Amy God. adds, it feels so good to know things. That's not fair. <laughs> Why would you say you knew that you I mean, if you had any kind of uh, a a true sullied person would know, since you know so much that Eric and I were going to have to record tonight alone. So distasteful to hurt our feelings like that. I know. Micah pretends that it's painful to know things. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's the complete opposite. He's he's not he doesn't gloat. It's not like, man, it's so awesome what happens. But uh, yeah, we have heard that. We are glad, Amy, that you are in that state of bliss that comes from being pleased with your progress in the books. Congrats. Now you just have to get sullied on the next two books. There you go. Um, we did get uh, a comment based on a, uh, the last episode that we recorded. This one's from Justine Morris saying, Micah is right. Uh, Roos holds no love towards his bastard. I think Roos thinks of Ramsay more as a soldier than a son. Well, strictly business. Uh, that adds some insight into the discussion of whether or not we can judge uh, the son for his father and the father for his son. I feel I feel like it's it's the right time to read a comment from WinnersComing.net from Renly's Peach who says, first for Peach, I mean Hodor. The only reason I brought that up is because uh, I know that everyone is so excited and the chapters are getting so rich right now. Uh, Turncloak says, this is my chapter, or my, <laughs> slightly misspelled. Uh, so basically, what the gist of what I'm trying to get at, I know we've been reading some of your tweets and some of your owns and stuff. I just feel like, oh, we're getting to the meat of what's coming. Season four being so damn close. This book about to end. ASOS on its way. It's just exciting because just if, if this is any litmus test to what's coming forward, like I don't know what's next for Tyrion outside of this chapter. I know what they put into the show, but I have no idea what happens to this guy because I know that I didn't know what that this was going to happen to this guy like this dramatically. I, they didn't represent it, in my opinion, uh, as, as harsh as they could have in the show. And I don't I don't really know exactly why. Well, you know, on that particular comment, I want to uh, just recall something I, I remember from an interview about. Um, David Heyman said that uh, regarding Voldemort and the look for Voldemort in the Harry Potter films, uh, bear with us uh, listeners here. We're talking Harry Potter speak. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason they didn't do slits in the, for the eyes, because he does look like a snake. He has slits for eyes in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, is because I'll translate. The, the eyes. Of- <laughs> the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
the bad guy, they kept Rafe Fiennes' eyes and didn't bother giving him contacts because the eyes are the window to the soul. And in order to get with the bad guy and where he's coming from, Uh you need to see that soul. Whereas if you gave him slits for eyes, you make him into a monster. And it doesn't translate as well that he's actually deep and and like evil. It's just monstrous and evil are two different things. Also, it's less makeup to to have to put on at every you know. Well, scene. they took away his nose. I mean, he was basically like Tyrion. Wow, um, there's a comparison for you. But oh, yeah. uh, I think that's really the, the the thing is that Peter Dinklage still needed to act, and you need to have a character who's who's even though he's described as being grotesque, you need that charisma to be able to to show through right. um, everyone because. He still has to win armies over, and without him being, you know, part of the most powerful family in the real world, um, we as readers and viewers need to kind of see that charisma a little bit more than we would in the books. Yeah. And uh, just as we begin to wrap up the show here, we got an email from Katie Goldner, who uh, wrote in to tell us this is a funny story. I love the show, and I really hope you guys go straight into reading A Storm of Swords. Instead of waiting until Season 4 is completed, Storm of Swords is my favorite of the series so far. I emailed you guys because something sort of funny happened today. Mm-hmm. I was walking to class this morning in the minus 5 degree Wisconsin weather while listening to Wednesday's episode. <laughs> I was so into the episode and laughing at the part about camel eyelashes. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm glad this is an iTunes review. Other people can talk can see that we talk about camel eyelashes. Uh-huh. Um, Anyway, I was laughing at the part about camel eyelashes that I crossed the street at a red light and nearly got hit by a car. Well, are you okay? <laughs> uh, she goes on to say, also, did you guys know that Alfie Allen and Lily Allen are brother and sister? Unrelated, but important. Yeah, completely unrelated. <laughs> I almost died today. And uh, hey, Alfie Allen is uh, Lily Allen's brother. Yes, um, we did know that, actually. Yeah, um, there's I the song. Or, I may have mentioned it on an early show, but Lily Allen has a song called Alfie. Yeah, which is all about how how much big how big of a, a stoner her brother is. <laughs> uh, yeah, he literally like doesn't leave his room, and there's a cloud of smoke, and all he does is play video games. Still, yeah, hilarious. They still hilarious. live together. I wonder. In their mom's house. I secretly wondered to myself how true it was then, um, but it's fun to see him set a name for himself there. Absolutely. Well, we wouldn't want you guys to get hit by a car or run in front of traffic, but Not at all. Uh, definitely don't go through those lengths to get in contact with us. But if you do want to get in contact with us, you can do so uh, safely on the sidewalk or only when the white man on the crosswalk says go mm-hmm. by contacting us at contact at gameofowns.com by email or on Twitter at twitter.com slash gameofowns or Facebook. You can scroll upon our wall, facebook.com slash gameofowns. And uh, we do have an Instagram now, Instagram uh, username game of owns there you go there you go and yeah. uh double yeah. tap those picks we'll post some soon tap them i've been seeing them i've at least uh as long as they're the same ones on facebook but I no guess i haven't posted anymore on instagram I oh do more that. have happened on facebook so and uh mike is not here but th- that does not mean that ratings less than five stars are acceptable they are not um over on the itunes store you can rate and review us uh, next time Micah comes on, he will definitely read uh, some of the latest reviews. We always enjoy those. Thank you for sending them to us. Yeah, you know, give him a present to come back to because he's away on a work trip. You know, it's not like he's out getting a tan. You know, he's he's out he's out working with with tall people who are great with basketballs. So just uh, give him a little present for his return. Bake him a crescent shaped cake. 
for his return. Yeah, I love cake. Well, with all of these uh, terrible and desolate and sad thoughts, we, we leave you guys until our Monday episode returns. Um, I, I will say you should write in and tell us what your thoughts are because you've heard us talk about the chapter and some of you are reading along with us. Hopefully most of you are reading along with us and, and now you can have a, a comparison for the show. Tell us what you think, whether or not they made it seem as dramatic as possible. You know, none of these visions, none of the really, I've been in bed so long, who are you, why are you feeding me this one, I don't really need it kind of stuff. So, yeah. Two chapters left, ladies and gentlemen. We have Jon Snow and then Bran Stark. And then it's the <laughs> end of Clash of Kings. Needless to say, we will cover both of those chapters next week. And that's the way it was. It's Friday, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. That's Zach Louie. That's Eric Skullington.